Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Good morning. Are you alive? Are you glad you're here? Okay, good. So am I. Uh, we're going to start a new series today, and it's just going to be a two-part series, and then we're going to go into our wonderful month of December. We got four weeks of Christmas, which is very exciting, but uh, this is something that's been on my heart for several months, and so I wanted to share it with you, and these uh, two Sundays are going to go together. So today I want to talk about leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy, but specifically today I want to talk about leaving a legacy for the generations. Leaving a legacy for the generation. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Proverbs 13 and verse 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. But notice the first part of this verse is going to be a key verse for the series. A good man or woman leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So today I'm going to talk about leaving a legacy for the generations. Now, thinking about this today, uh, just to kind of intro this whole entire series, you know, we as believers need to think about and need to constantly remind ourselves that we are living life in light of eternity. Now, with Thinking about this, I'm not saying in some morbid way that you think about death every day of your life, but you do need to be thinking about you are getting closer to death every day of your life. Whether you're 25 or 95, we only have a certain amount of time on this planet. And the Bible says our life is a vapor. Like even if you live to be 120, it's still a vapor compared to eternity. It's still, still a breath. And so what we do now matters. The way we live our life now matters. The way we talk, the way we treat people, what we do for God or don't do for God, it matters. And that is ultimately the legacy that we will leave behind to future generations. And today we need to think about this. Are we investing our lives and our time in things that will outlast us? Are we investing our time in things that will outlive us? Because all of us in here have to be thinking that way. And is what am I doing today, is this going to outlast me or is this temporary? Is, is what I'm doing today going to outlive me? Now, for all of us in here, this message is for you. Because some of you are like, well, uh, I don't have children and grandchildren yet. Okay, well, it's still for you. Because any generation beneath you is a generation you can impart to. You don't just have to have your own kids. Uh, you could have uh, nieces and nephews, and you could dramatically impact their life. You could have cousins or family members. Or how about in the spiritual community and house? You can be a spiritual mother and spiritual father to other kids that aren't your kids. Because they look at your life too, not just their parents. And, and some, some people go here, and they don't have a parent or grandparent that goes here. Guess what? They're looking at your life. And, and so all of us 
This message pertains to you not just for those who have biological children and grandchildren, but all of us are passing something off to future generations. We're handing off something to future generations, whether that's our biological kids or our spiritual kids or, or just friends, family, community. We are passing something off to future generations, and it should be a legacy worth receiving. Now, I'm only 35, but just let me talk to you this morning. I don't care how old you are. It's never too early to start your legacy. Dr. Lester Summerall said this, you are not a success unless you have a successor. That doesn't just mean somebody's going to fill your job when you're dead. It means what have you passed on that God has given you? If there's nobody that we can find that you imparted to and that you helped change their life and you gave them what God gave you, then you're not a success at the end of your life. I don't care how big your bank accounts are. I don't care what size your house is or what kind of car you drive or anything else. If you don't have other people in your life that are still here after you go on to be with the Lord that, that were imparted to by you, you are not a success. And so we need to see this here, that we are all leaving a legacy. The Bible would call that an inheritance. So let's read this again, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man or woman leaves an inheritance, or we could say a legacy, to his children's children. That's what a legacy is. A legacy is something that is passed on or handed down to future generations. Do you know when a lot of times we think of inheritance or legacy, you're thinking money, cars, houses, jewelry, when they go on to heaven. But it's way more than that. Your legacy and I think you should take care of your family and your children's children. I think you should not leave them in debt. Are you, are you with me today? I think you should leave them in a financially good place where they receive some money when you go on to be with the Lord. I think you should leave them a house and a car and, and stuff like that. That's, that's important, but that's secondary. The, the important things you leave to your family and to your children's children and to the community and generations around you should be a legacy that money cannot buy. The things that are not tangible they're intangible things that are of eternal value and that is what is passed down now are you with me so far this morning now is 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 the latter half of this sanctuary with me today because I, I it's like super loud on the second row and it's crickets back there no i appreciate you guys you guys are helping me it'd be completely silent but 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 back half are you with me Okay, 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 you're with me. I'm just making sure. I didn't want to put anybody to sleep. I'm like, the, the first two rows go blow my eardrums out. The last, I'm going to die from the deafening silence in the, the latter half of church. Okay. All right, so you're all on, on, with me now on, on one accord, everybody from the front to the back. You're with me. We're passing down a legacy. The Bible says a good man or woman leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Leaves a legacy. 
So a legacy is something that is passed on, or we could say handed down to future generations. Bigger than money, cars, houses, or jewelry. It is eternal things. And we're going to talk about those things today. Look what it says in Proverbs 13, 22 in the message. It says, a good life gets passed on. Good life gets passed on. Why? Because a legacy is what you pass on. You hand down to future generations. A good life gets passed on to your grandchildren. It's your legacy. Do you realize at this church right now, I'm building a church not for the 60-year-olds. Sorry, guys. I'm not building a church for the 90-year-olds here. I'm not building a church for the 35-year-olds, which I am. You know who I'm building the church for? The people back in that building. That they grow up in a church that they don't, they, they don't get 18 and are like, well, the church is boring. I want to leave. Church is irrelevant. I'm out of here at 18. No, I'm building a church right now not for 35-year-olds. I'm building a church for 10-year-olds. I'm building a church for 15-year-olds. I'm building a church for the 7-year-olds back there and the 2-year-olds and the 5-year-olds. That's what I'm doing here at this church because this church is going to have a legacy that outlives all of us in here. Are you with me? And you should, you, should, you should say to yourself, that's the church I want to be a part of, not a church that's catering to just me. But I care about future generations. And trust me, that's a more exciting church to be a part of. Hear me this morning. You don't want to be a church, part of a church that's a dying church that all there is is gray heads and they're still singing the same song they sang 50 years ago. You don't want to be a part of a church like that. You want to be a part of a church that it's changing so much. You're like, I don't fully get it, but we're going somewhere. I don't understand the music, but these young people are passionate. I don't understand all the things that are changing in the youth group, but I'm for it because my grandchildren are on fire for the Lord. I want to be a part of church like that because that's a true legacy. And so even all the money we're given, we're not just giving this money so we can have a couple good year run at Church on the Rock. We're doing this for your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews and your cousins and, and your friends and your family and the future generations to come at this church. We're building a church for that. Not for us in here. It will bless us in return, but we're building for that generation. Most churches don't build that way. That's why they have a good run for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and then downhill from there they go ride it out you know what I'm saying there's a lot of churches in the community and it makes me sad I say this with no joy hundreds of churches in this community they are riding that baby out it died 30 years ago and they're just riding that thing till the wheels fall off instead of saying maybe we should do something different guys maybe we should change Maybe we should leave a legacy for future generations instead of getting there and like, we got nobody to hand this off to. Your legacy is what you pass on, you hand down to future generations. I always think of this when I think about legacy, because today we're talking about specifically leaving a legacy for the generations, for the future generations. And that, this pertains to all of us in here, no matter your age. What are we handing on and passing on to the generations to come? What, what are we handing them? And I always think of this analogy of a relay race. All of us are running our part 
But we're not the end of the story. This thing we call the kingdom of God and the church doesn't stop with us. We're not the culmination of the best days the church has ever seen. We've been doing this for 2,000 years, and every generation passes it to the next generation, and they run their lap, and then they pass it to the next generation, and they run their lap, and they pass it to the next generation. But guess what? If we run our race, we can put the next generation at a better place than we were. How many know they put somebody who's really fast right before the end to make up the ground that the other person lost so they pass it off to that person at the end so they could get all the way home and win the gold medal. But, but everybody has to do their part. Everybody has to run their race. And all of us in here, no matter your age, we're running our part of the relay race. And we're eventually going to have to pass this on to future generations. Not, not just our biological children and grandchildren, but our spiritual children and grandchildren. Our, our friends, our family, our community. We're going to have to pass this on to someone else. And we're just doing our part. But let's put them in a better place than the way we received. Are you with me? Let's put them further ahead than we ever were. Let's, let's put them in a place that they don't have to, to overcome the same issues that we did or our grandparents did. Let's put them in a place that when they see, receive the baton, that they are so much further ahead that they are in a great place. That should be our heart. So all of us in here are passing, handing down other things to all these generations to come. That's our legacy. Whatever we pass on is our legacy. Sometimes our legacy is not great, depending on what we pass them. Sometimes it's wonderful with what we pass them, but we're all handing down, passing down things to our children, our grandchildren, the generations to come. And that's ultimately going to be our legacy, but let it be something worth taking. Let it be something worth taking. Now, you still with me? Is the latter half of this church still with me? Yeah, you guys in the back? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I see Hoss's hand. That's all I needed. That's the only, that's the only love I needed. I'm, I'm set for the rest of the service. I won't ask again. When we're talking about this, we're handing, passing on things to this next generation. You know... What we hand them and what we pass them dramatically affects their life. Our children, our grandchildren, future generations ahead of us. You know, I don't really believe in generational curses. Do you know what I believe in? Generational choices. I told you, y'all go play with me. I'm just going to preach. The reality is this, the things that people call Christians and sometimes even non-Christians call generational curses on a family, it's generational choices that have been passed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation and it's become a habit and it's become a cycle and that's all they know and it's not some ooh weird you know a witch laid a generational curse on you it's a generational choice 
because nobody in that family has ever decided it's going to stop with me, and I'm not passing on that junk to future generations. And you can stop it anytime you want. It's not a generational curse on your family. And you said, well, maybe I received a lot of stuff. Well, let it stop with you. Let it not go to your kids and your grandkids and these future generations coming up. Maybe you got handed some, some stuff that you wish you were not handed, but let it stop with you. You're not under a curse. You have a choice. But that's a legacy, both good and bad. What you're handed is your legacy, and what you hand to the next generation is a legacy. It's your inheritance. Let, let me talk about a few things. But, but some of us, are, are the past generations, our parents, our grandparents, they handed us racism. Sometimes not overt racism, but little comments here and there. Some of that's still in some people in this church. Don't let what you're going to hand to future generations be that. Let it stop with you. And be bold enough to say, if you hear somebody in your family say something like that, stop them. No, we don't talk like that. That's not okay. Some of us have been handed that. And you're like, well, I, this is all I know. Okay, well, stop. Change. You got a choice. Don't let that curse keep going in your family line just because you got handed that. But we've all been handed stuff. Or, or, or maybe something like this. You, you've been handed Poverty, debt, everybody in your family has always been poor. Always lived in the projects. Always been in debt. Just normal. And somebody say, that's a generational curse. It's a generational choice. And nobody ever stands up and says, like, why are we like this? Let's do something different. They're just like, oh, it is what it is. Mom and dad were this way. My grandparents were this way. We always lived this way. You don't have to stay there, guys. You can say it stops with me and what I'm going to hand my kids or my grandkids or future generations is not going to be poverty and debt and we don't know how to deal with money. That's, that stops with me. It got handed to me, but I got choose what I'm going to hand to future generations. I have a choice. Are you with me so far today? We all have that choice. And we should want to do that for future generations. Why? To put them in a better place further along than we ever were. Some of us say, well, I was handed addiction. You know, my dad drank, my grandpa drank, my uncle drank, my great-grandpa drank. All right, well, it stops with you. Somebody said, there's generational curse on that family. No, they've all made the same dumb choice, repeated the same habits, repeated the same cycles, because nobody ever stood up and said, this isn't right. And, I'm not, and this is unhealthy. I'm not going to hand this to my kids. Are you here with me today? You know, we, we just always smoke. Everybody in this family smokes. This is what we do. We always smoke. It smokes. It's no big deal. Why do you want that for your kids and your grandkids? It, you, you can stop and it can stop with you. But guess what? Whether you say it or not, they will do what you do. Not just what you say. You got to say, I'm not going to hand this to future generations. Because that's your legacy, what you hand what about everybody in your family had bad relationships? Right. It is what it is. Right. This is the way we are. We fight. 
It could stop anytime you want. It can stop anytime you want. You're only stuck because you think that way because that's what you've been handed. And that's become your habit. And you're in one big cycle, but you can stop. It does, it's not a generational curse. It's a generational choice. Are you with me today? So all of us in here, we have received something from future or past generations. We've received impartations. We've received, received ways of thinking. We've received all sorts of things from our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and our uncles and, and people that we, we trusted in our community and our church and everywhere else. And, and we are who we are today because of that. We received that, and that was their legacy handing, handed down to us. But we have a legacy to give to other people. And so even though we've received something, you can choose to drop it and pick up something anytime you want. Because it's not just about you. It's about what you do is going to affect future generations. It's a legacy. Here's another thing. What about everybody in your family's always been apathetic towards the things of God? This is who we are. We stand like a totem pole in church. That's just what we do. My dad did it. My granddad did it. <laughs> By God, I'm going to do it. I'm here because I have to be. And that's just normal. It's not a curse. It's a choice. You could change that anytime you want. Anytime you want. Well, you know, we don't really worship in our family. We don't really pray in our family. We don't, you can change it anytime you want. I don't care what your parents and grandparents did or people you looked up to did. Change it anytime you want. Because you choose what you hand and pass off to future generations. It's your legacy. It's your legacy. And hear me this morning. I don't care if you're 20 or 75. You need this message. It's not too, you're not too young or not too old to hear this message about your legacy. Here's something you need to know about your legacy and what you're passing on and handing down. It is taught, but it's also caught. It comes through you to future generations through your words and your actions. Do you realize the generations underneath you won't just do what you tell them to do? They'll do what you're doing. The future generations won't become like what you say. They will become like who you are. That's how this thing works. So we need to both speak it with our words. We need to teach future generations with our words. I believe in that. But we also need to show them an example in our actions. And they can catch it by watching us. And that will be our legacy. Once again, legacy can be both good and bad, blessing or curse. It's whatever we pass on and hand down to future generations. I'm going to talk about three things that I think are legacies that we need to pass down to future generations. As believers, because we are believers here, in Jesus, followers of Jesus, Christians, these are things we need to pass down to future generations. The first one is a genuine faith. A genuine faith. Do you realize in the Bible, God is a God of generations? The person in the Bible they call the father of our faith is Abraham. And what did he have? Many sons. 
Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left foot. Mm, okay. We can tell the church people and the non-church people by that. I saw a little thing on Instagram the other day. It was like, some of y'all have never been to the enemy's camp and taken back what he stole from you, and it shows. Now, see, if you grew up in church, you know what that song is. But if you didn't, you're just like, and it shows. You needed that type of raising. You needed that type of legacy. But in the Bible, Abraham is called the father of our faith. Not just the Jewish people, but all who believe in Jesus. Abraham is the father of our faith. The Bible calls him the father of many nations. But God is a God of generations. And Abraham in the Bible is always referred to, he's not just the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's his children and his children's children. Because a good man leaves an inheritance or a legacy for his children's children. But there's a very interesting verse in Genesis. God said, I chose Abraham. Not just because he had faith, but because he would train his kids right. Because God's into generations. He's like, I'm not going to give Abraham all this stuff, and he's not going to pass it on to the future generations. i got to choose somebody that when I choose him, he's going to pass it to his son and his grandson and his great-grandson, and it's going to go down the line, and it's going to leave a legacy of faith because I chose Abraham because he's the father of our faith. Because God's a generational God. When he sees you, he's not just doing something in your life for you. He's doing it for your kids. He's doing it for your grandkids and future generations to come. We, we think so narrow-minded and selfish sometimes about our life. Like, well, why does God want me to do this? Maybe it's for your grandkid that you don't even know yet. Maybe it's for a great-grandkid that you don't even know it's coming in the future. Maybe it's for your child. Maybe it's for somebody else in a future generation. You're like, God, why am I doing this? It's not just for you. God's a generational God. It's about your legacy. But he said, I'm going to choose Abraham because Abraham's going to train his kids right. He's never referred to in the Bible as just Abraham. It's always, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even into the New Testament. When they talk about him, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God. But he said, I'm going to choose Abraham because he will train his children right. Look at what it says in Genesis 18 and verse 19. For I know him, God talking to Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. He said, I'm going to choose Abraham because he's going to leave a legacy. He's going to train his kids right and his grandkids right. And there'll be future generations affected by his legacy. So if we're going to leave a legacy, we're going to have to have a genuine faith that we're passing on to future generations. A genuine faith. A real faith. Look at 2 Timothy verse 
chapter 1, verse 5. Paul speaking to Timothy, a son of the faith, he says, I remember your genuine faith. Everybody say genuine faith. Everybody say genuine faith. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith, notice this, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, because he's a God of generations. This is their legacy. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. God is a God of generations. How many know when Lois, his grandma, and his mother Eunice were serving God? They didn't realize they would have a son, eventually Timothy, who would get in the Bible. And be one of the Apostle Paul's best sons in the faith. And there would be two books written to Timothy, their grandson and son. But because they left a legacy of genuine faith, it got into his mom. And then it got into him. Because that's what they passed on to him. A genuine, real, authentic faith. And, and the Apostle Paul says, I know this faith didn't just start with you. It was in your grandmother Lois, and it was in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that same genu genuine, strong, real, vibrant faith is in you, Timothy. And that's where you got it. Because they passed it from past generations to you, and that is their legacy. That's their legacy. Said the faith was in his grandmother and his mother, but that faith is in you, Timothy. If we're going to leave a legacy worth receiving and taking up, we're going to have to have a genuine faith. Let me tell you what genuine faith means. Not a Sunday morning faith. Not a... 10 to 12 on Sunday faith and then forget about God the other 60 plus hours of the week. That's not going to leave a legacy for your future children and grandchildren and your community and the generations to come. You're going to have to have a genuine faith that it's real to you. And your kids must be taught that and they must see that. The generations around you must see that that it's real and genuine to you. It's both caught and taught in your words and your actions. Now, now I want to share a couple of things about my dad real quick. Talking about a legacy that you receive and they got to pass down a genuine faith. Every night of my life, growing up with my dad, I heard a tape player going every night of my life in his room. It's either Kenneth Hagin or Dr. Summerall or John Osteen or Dr. Dufresne or somebody. Every night of my life, I heard, it used to be a tape player. Some of you don't even know what that is. Then it was a CD player. Now it's his iPad. But every night of my life, I've heard teaching, preaching, going on in my dad's bedroom every night of his life because it's real to him. It's a genuine faith. And it's not just taught, it's caught. 
Guess what? At 35 years old, I listened to preaching every night of my life. Dad never told me, Jordan, you need to listen to preaching every night of your life when you go to sleep. Why do I do that? Because it was caught and taught with his words and his actions. And I just don't do what he told me to do. I do as he does and who he is. I do that every night of my life. I put it on my phone. Kenneth Hagin, Keith Moore, somebody. It's by my bed every night of my life. I can't go to sleep without listening to teaching because it's in me. But who put it in me? My dad did. It's a genuine faith. He passed it down to me, and I picked it up. My dad loves his Bibles. Now, you don't mess with my dad's Bibles. He's got a lot of them, so it's not like if he lost one, he should freak out. But he knows where all of them are. But as long as I've been alive, my dad has had his Bible, you know, the little zippy one he's got. He's got the one with a zipper on it. It's with him everywhere. My whole life. When he rides in the car, his Bible is next to him in the seat. When he's at home watching something on TV, guess who's sitting next to him? The Bible. When he goes into the bathroom, I know you're saying too much information. He takes his Bible with him. When he's in his bedroom, guess what's on his nightstand? His Bible. Dad didn't just tell me, read your Bible, son. He lived it. That his Bible was important to him. That the word of God was important to him. To the place that he would take it everywhere he goes. And he still does. In his car. On the couch. Everywhere he goes. Now why do I love the Bible the way I do? Because of him. It was caught. It's a legacy. What about. A genuine faith that when you face challenges, your kids see you or your grandkids see you or other generations around you see you, you don't completely fall apart and act like you don't believe anything now. Your faith is not a Sunday faith, but it's a Monday through Saturday faith. Because that's a legacy. They'll say, well, mom and dad said they believed, but this bill came up and they're cussing. So do they really believe? You know, this, this tragedy just happened and they act like they're losing their faith. Do they, do they really believe? I've seen my parents walk through challenging things many times. Not that they ever, not that they uh, didn't ever show emotion. They did. But the answer was always, we're going to believe God. Somebody's sick, we're going to believe God. Somebody's going to die, we're going to believe God. We need financial help at church, we're going to believe God. Something just happened crazy, we're going to believe God. 50 people left the church, we're going to believe God. It was always, we're going to believe God. It wasn't a Sunday faith, it was a genuine faith. That's a legacy of faith. Now, I'm saying these things because I want you to see how can I apply this to my life? Because your kids, your grandkids, the generations around you are looking at you. And you're either going to give them a fake, phony faith. That when they hit the college years, they're like, I'm out. Wasn't real to them. I just wait until I turn 18. Or it's going to be a genuine, real faith that sustains them through those years of their life and into adulthood.
And, and that later on in your life, you can say like Paul said to Timothy, I'm persuaded, Timothy, you have a genuine faith. It's real. But it didn't come from you. It came from your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I'm persu- persuaded that same faith is in you. It's genuine and it's real. I've seen my parents worship through horrible days. Tragedies. Pain, sickness. They didn't let their circumstances determine their worship. That was not just taught, it was caught. Why do I show up if I don't feel like it? Because it's real to me. Why do I still preach when I've been depressed before? Now, I wasn't depressed last night, so chill. (laughs) But I have. Many times. And the anointing came and met me when I, when I stood here. But how did I know how to do that? Because I saw my dad do it. I didn't feel good in my body and I came and worshipped anyways. And guess what? The power of God met me and I felt great later. How do I know how to do that? Because my mom did. They passed me something worth taking. Are you with me, church? We are all leaving a legacy. For future generations, what are we passing on? What are we handing down to them? Is it a fake, phony, churchy, Bible belt? We're Christians because we live in southern Indiana faith. Like a lot of people have. It's not real to them. It's like, okay, our family's Christian. Why? I don't know. We're just Christian. Like we're Irish. (laughs) Do you realize that we live in the Bible belt? That's just assumed. Like we're Catholic. Why? I don't know. We're just Catholic. Do you go to church? No. Do you believe in God? Not really. But we're Catholic. I'm making fun of the stereotypes, but it, there's some reality in the area of the country we live. That's just kind of built into where we live. We live in the Bible belt of the country. That's not real faith. I'm talking about a real genuine faith. That's not based off of circumstances. That's not based off of culture. That's based on real, genuine faith in relationship. That, that can weather some storms and can go through some trials and can overcome some doubts. And that you'll still be standing later on. A real, genuine faith. But you have a choice to pass that on to future generations. I've seen my parents many times empty their bank accounts. Pay for people to come to camp. Pay for people to come preach at our church out of their own money. And then other people say, well, they're just, they just want money. They're prosperity preachers. All right, well, let's look at your bank account. Let's look at their bank account. <laughs> I've seen that my whole entire life. They've emptied their bank accounts and emptied their bank accounts and, and given massive offerings. That's why I'm a giver today. Because of them. It's just normal to me because it was passed down a genuine, real faith. Here's the next thing. Are you still here? Yes, sir. So if we're leaving a legacy for future generations, we need to give them a genuine faith. The next thing is a good name. A good name. Proverbs 22.1 says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. 
and loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name. Of course, we know what that means. It's not just talking about the actual name like Jacob's or Flocks or Tillets. It's talking about your reputation. Your reputation, your character, your integrity is passed down to future generations. And hear me, your kids should be proud of their parents and their grandparents, not embarrassed by the way you've acted. You're saying, well, I already messed up. We'll change today. I've already done too much. Well, you can start again today. Doesn't matter about the past. It matters about the future. But you, when you think about a name, you have all sorts of thoughts that come with it. Let me just try a few on you. And I don't even have to say what they did because it says a good name is, is to be chosen rather than great riches. Adolf Hitler. If somebody came in the room and their name was, last name was Hitler, you'd be like, who's your great grandpa? Look, I don't even got to say it. I didn't say what he did. I didn't say anything about him. But a name. As, as we say, your reputation precedes you. Mother Teresa. You'd be like, no, who's your grandma? Okay, let me try another one. Because the good name's chosen more than great riches. Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, if you're on ChristianMingle.com, I'm just saying, and the guy's last name is Dahmer, you're going to think twice about it. Who are you related to? You wouldn't have any related to the serial killer. They're doing all the Netflix shows about. Was that you? Okay. Billy Graham. It's a name. Why? Because we can choose what we pass on to future generations. We can choose our legacy and the way we live right now, our reputation, our character, our integrity is going to fall upon our children and our grandchildren and the generations ahead of us. So let it be a good one. That your kids don't have to make up for their parents and their grandparents' failures. Here's something. Practically a good name, a good reputation. Your kids need that. Do you pay your bills? You don't want them to get in this community and be like, well, I know your dad. He never paid his bills, so you ain't getting that loan. I know your granddad. No, come on. A good name, a reputation, having character integrity is important. Do you tell the truth? What's your reputation? Not just in the church, but outside the church. It matters. Why? Because it's not just about you. It's about the generations to come. And you need to hand them a good name. Now, having a good name means having integrity and character. The word integrity means you're integrated. That means you don't have a church you and a work you. Integrity means there's not a home version of you in a church you. There's not a uh, women's wine paint night you in a church you. 
There's not a at the bar with my boys football night you and a church you. You have integrity because you're integrated. It's all the same you. I'm not saying you couldn't go watch a football game, but it better be the same you that shows up at church. If you got integrity. And trust me, even if you can fool each other, guess who you can't fool? Your kids. Your grandkids. The people that are around you, you're imparting to and leaving a legacy with. You think you can fool everybody else, but they see you. Trust me, and they tell their teachers at school all about you. They do. I feel like all elementary teachers and preschool and kindergarten teachers should have to sign something that they're not allowed to share that information because they tell all. Mommy and daddy were fighting last night throwing stuff. Oh, really? They will tell everything. But what's a good name? It's good character. It's good integrity. It's good reputation. That you live the way you say you're going to live. That you're a man and woman of God. Not perfect, but you're doing your best. The power of God's helping you. You're making steps. Your children can see that. Your grandchildren can see that. The generations around you can see that. And you're moving ahead and you have a good name that you can pass on to them. It's important. You don't have to be perfect. You realize my parents were not perfect, and neither am I. And you understand that the older you get. But that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who is doing their best to have a good name, to do it God's way, to go on God's path, to have a good character and a good integrity and good reputation and doing what the Spirit of God tells them to do and allowing God to change them. And you're saying, well, maybe my reputation is horrible, Pastor. You can start today. I don't have character integrity. Well, you can start today. Guess what? The Spirit of God wants to help you, but he needs something to work with. And I know God can hear your heart. If you say, I want to change, not just for me, God, but I care about my kids and my grandkids and future generations. I want to leave them a legacy worth receiving. God will help you to change, to overcome addictions, to overcome habits. God will help you be a person of integrity and character if you want to be. And we're all in that process. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And your kids aren't looking for perfect. It's important. Are you with me today? Here's part of having a good name as well, because that's something you need to pass on. Your reputation, your character, and your integrity. You need to be man and woman enough to apologize when you do miss it. That's being a person of character and integrity. When you blow it with your kids, don't just act like, oh, that didn't happen. You're training them to be that way when they grow up. Apologize. Now, I don't want to get us all in trouble here, but how many have ever lost their temper with their child before? Raise your hand. I'm raising mine. You know what the thing to do is? Don't act like it didn't happen. You know, being a person of character and integrity is going to your child and saying, I'm sorry, because this is not okay. Mommy or daddy, 
acted in a way that I shouldn't have acted, and that wasn't the love of God, and I'm sorry. That puts a good name in their heart as a child. Character and integrity, it's important. Is, is this too simple for you today? We need to apologize to them when we miss it. Maybe we lost our temper. Maybe we didn't pay a bill. Maybe we said something we shouldn't. Maybe we, we, we um, haven't always been the best example. Apologize about that. Repent over that. Be genuine. Tell them what is the right way and what is the wrong way in life. That matters to your kid. It matters to your kid. And I, I'm going to close here pretty soon. I love this. Charles Spurgeon said, a good character is the best tombstone. We want to give future generations something to take and hold on to. We need to give them a good name, reputation, character, and integrity. Not just taught to them, but caught from how you are. Being quick to repent. Quick to apologize. Quick to be real. Well, I'm the adult. I don't need to apologize to my kid. No, you need to apologize to your kid. And even if it doesn't pertain to them, just in life, daddy was wrong in that business deal. You shouldn't be that way. And I'm sorry. I'm going to change that. I know we're talking about stuff that's kind of making you squirm a little bit, but it's okay. We need it. We need it. So we're talking about leaving a legacy for future generations. What do we need? A genuine faith. That's what we need to pass down to future generations. But we also need to pass down a good name. Being known for a person of character, integrity, and having a good reputation. That's important. Lastly, a generational blessing. A generational blessing. A generational blessing comes through your words, but it also comes through your choices. And we can pass that down to future generations. What we speak over our kids and the choices we make will affect them and the generations ahead of us. We need to be constantly speaking God's blessing over our children. Telling them who they are in Christ. What God has done for them. Talk to them about how gifted they are and blessed they are and favored they are. They get enough discouragement just in this world. You need to be speaking the blessing of God over their life. Even laying hands on your kids. Speaking the blessing of God over your children. It's important. If you don't do it, nobody else will. And we need to pass that on to future generations. A generational blessing. Now you see in the Old Testament, they did this all the time. When one generation would pass on, they would always lay hands on the, the future generations and bless them for their future. They would speak the blessing over them. They would speak life over them to impart to them about what they were going to do in the future. And you realize today, the Jewish people still do this. Now, it's interesting to note, and this has nothing to do with the Kanye West controversy, by the way. But the Jewish people still today, even though they make up 0.2% of the world population, if you look at the people that are some of the top people in Hollywood, music, banking, politicians, billionaires, millionaires, a lot of them are Jewish. Now, how does that work? A group of people 
that make up 0.2% of the world population happen to be in charge in all these major areas of culture and are CEOs and bankers and in places of influence all over the world. Why? Because the Jewish people still constantly speak the blessing over their children every day. They talk about it. They embody it. They believe it. They get in the Old Testament and they, they, they pray these verses over their children. They talk about it in their house. And the Jewish people still today are in places of power all over the world, some of the most influential places, having the most money because they are very blessed. Why? Because they have a generational blessing mindset. And they've had that for thousands and thousands of years. And that generational blessing is still working in the Jewish people today because they believe in speaking the blessing over their children and their children's children. Are you following me? Somebody said that when you tell Jewish people they're blessed, they say, what? I'm just Jewish. Because it's the same thing to them. They've been told their whole life that they are God's chosen people. And they believe it. They've been told their whole life that they're blessed. And they believe it. They've been told their whole life verses like you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. That God wants to bless your, your cattle and your livestock and your families and your money and your resources. And they hear that every day for their whole life. The Jewish people still today. And so when you say they're blessed, they say I'm just Jewish because they're one and the same. We should learn a lesson for that. How much more us, we should be speaking God's blessing from the word of God over our kids. Letting them know who they are in God. And what God has done for us. And the blessing that is on their life. Why? Because the more you say it, the more you live it, the more they will believe it over themselves. In Deuteronomy, it talks about God's people are about to go into the promised land and Moses is uh, the leader and, and he's about to go on and that one generation has to stay in the wilderness, but another generation is going to go in the promised land. And Moses tells the people that you need to be aware of this because I don't want you to make the same mistakes our generation did. And look at these verses in Deuteronomy 6. He's talking to a future generation going into the promised land. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live and obey all the decrees and commands. You will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all you will, will go well with you. And once again, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I've given you today. Look at this again. For a future generation, repeat them again and again to your children. Did you hear me? I said, repeat them again and again to your children. What does Moses say to this future generation? Talk about them when you're at the home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. 
Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's jump to verse 20 through 25. In the future, your children will ask you. Now, this is the generation that grew up after coming out of Egypt. What is the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? And then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. And the Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. And he brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land that he swore to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees to fear him so we can continue to bless and preserve our lives as he's done to this day. For he will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. Now, thinking about these verses, we talked about we need to give our kids and our grandkids and the future generations a generational blessing. What does Moses tell his people that are about to go into this land without him? Don't forget to keep telling your kids and your grandkids and these future generations Telling them what God has done for us. Speaking the blessing of God over them. Don't let them ever forget that. And he says, I want you to repeat it, not just at church. He said, talk about it in your house. Talk about it on the road, driving your car. Talk about it when you go to bed. Talk about it when you get up. Put it over your house. Because then your kids will get a generational blessing. Are you with me today? Brother Daryl, could you come play? But then at the end of these verses, he says, one day, these kids that didn't come out of Egypt, they didn't go through the wilderness. They know nothing about it. They're going to say, Mom, Dad, why do you go to church? Why do you give your tithe and offering? Why do you serve in the ministry of helps? Why do you worship God? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you do what you do? One day your kids and your grandkids are going to ask that, and you've got to have an answer for them. And it's not just for the people in the Bible. It's for you guys. One day your kids are going to ask you that, and your grandkids are going to ask you that. You better have a good answer. And here's the side note of that. They're only going to ask that if they see something in your life that's different. They're not going to ask you if you just live like everybody else in the world. But they're like, Dad, you're different than ever. You worship different. You pray. This is important to you. This is real to you. Why do you give your money? Why do you do what you, why do you keep coming to church all the time? Why is this important to you? Well, You don't get it yet. Because mom and dad. Used to be addicts. And God saved our life. You don't know about that. Because you didn't have. Because I didn't pass that to you. You've been passed blessing. But for this is why I worship. Because your mom and dad wasn't always in the promised land. We were in Egypt one time. Why do you give what you give? Well, well, mom and dad came from a dysfunctional home and we grew up in poverty. And 
everybody in our family had bad relationships and then we met Jesus and it changed us. And you're like, why do you give those big offerings? Because he changed my life and I love him. But you don't know about that because I didn't pass that to you. I passed you something different, but you don't remember because you weren't in Egypt like I was. There's a time in your life your, your dad was addicted to porn and I couldn't, couldn't stop doing that and, and God delivered me and I got in a prayer line one time and I, I got delivered and I'm different now and that's why I do what I do. But your kids got to see something in your life worth asking about. And when they do, give them the real answer. Tell them what God has done for you. Instead, if we don't do that, this is what will happen, which has happened as long as there's been human history. One generation experiences it. The next generation knows a little bit about it. And the next generation after that doesn't know anything at all. Then it repeats itself. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is, I believe it's in Judges, that there grew up a generation that didn't know God and didn't know the things he did. That was just a few generations after these verses. Thinking, how in the world did nobody tell them? Just a few generations after God had brought them out of Egypt and completely destroyed Pharaoh and all the enemies and brought them out through the Red Sea on dry ground. That was just a few generations when God was in the wilderness with them and there was a cloud of fire by, by night and a cloud by day and it leaded them and it guided them and it protected them and there was manna that fell from heaven and it fed them in the wilderness and there was water that came out of rock and it, it watered them in the wilderness and God sustained them and then there was a generation who went into the promised land and God was with them and helped them overcome all their enemies and just a few generations later it said they, they didn't know God and they didn't know anything about what he did you think well that would never happen in my life or this church it could if we don't talk like this. It could if we don't talk this way and we need to. A generational blessing. So when you're in your house, talk about it. When you're in your car, talk about it. When you're at the dinner table, talk about it. And let your kids know where God has brought you from. Let your kids know your testimony. This is why we do what we do. That's how you impart a generational blessing to future generations. So important. It's so important. Are you still with me today? Look at this verse in Deuteronomy 30. In verse 15 and 16. God says, now listen today, I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God, keep his commands, decrees, regulations, by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and your Lord, your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. Let's jump to verse 19. Today I've given you the choice. The choice. It's not about a generational curse. It's a generational choice. Again, there's a choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life 
Why? Why choose life? So that you and your descendants might live. It's not just about you. It's so you and your kids might live. You and your grandkids might live. You and the future generations would get passed down a blessing and not a curse. They would be passed down life and not death. And he said, I want you to choose it. Why? That you and your descendants might live. Verse 20. And you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God and obeying him. Committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors. Who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because God cares about the generations. It's important to him. I'm going to close with this. There was a study done many years ago. It was following two different families. It was done in 1900. It was about the Edwards family and the Jukes family. Now, the Edwards family was from Jonathan Edwards, who was a famous preacher who was a part of the Great Awakening. Some of you know who Jonathan Edwards was. Now, Jonathan Edwards was a child prodigy. He went to Yale University at 13, studied theology and philosophy, went on to be a preacher who traveled this entire country and was a part of the Great Awakening, eventually became the president of Princeton University, Jonathan Edwards. So they did a study. They followed his family line, and they followed the family line of a man named Max Jukes, who is a man who was known for stealing, being in prison. And the reason they figured this out was there was a guy studying this in the New York, New York prison system, and they realized 42 of the prisoners were all related. And they came from the same family. So there was a book written in 1900 called Jukes Edwards, A Study in Education and Heredity. Because what the Bible saying? Today I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose that you and your family will live. And what you choose affects your future generations. You ready for this? They did this study. And from Max Jukes' family... They studied many, many generations over hundreds of years. 310 were professional thieves. 300 died in infancy from lack of good care and conditions. 50 women, now this is written in 1900, lived lives of notorious debauchery. That means they were prostitutes. 400 men and women were physically wrecked early by their own wickedness. That means alcohol. Seven were murderers. Sixty were habitual thieves who ended up in an average prison sentence of 12 years. And 130 of Max Jukes' family line were criminals who were convicted. Why? Because the Bible says 
choose life or death, blessing and cursing. Why? So you and your kids and your grandkids may live. That's a legacy you're passing down. So that's one man's legacy in his lineage based off what he chose. Jonathan Edwards, once again, who was a famous preacher in the Great Awakening, went to Yale, was president of Princeton. This is what his family looked like. One U.S. vice president, Aaron Burr, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries, pastors, and theologians. Two different families. Generational curse, generational choices. God said it in Deuteronomy all these years ago before this. Choose life that you and your family will live. Choose life that the blessing of God will be upon your family. Because you got to impart a generational blessing to these future generations. By what you choose and what you speak over the future generations ahead of you. So important and that's your legacy. I think that story is so powerful on how what we do today matters. What we choose today matters for the future generations. It's like the Bible says, it's life or death. It's blessing or cursing what we choose in the legacy we live. So important. Could you stand up today? You guys get something this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.